Welcome to Bethany Bible Fellowship, where we are all about the glory of God and the good of His people. It is a privilege to be able to share this online resource with you, and we pray that it is a blessing to you, that it builds up your faith and encourages you on in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. So this morning we finished studying in the book of Acts. Can you believe it? We made it. (laughs) Acts chapter 28, part B. We are here. There's been some 48 or 49 messages. I couldn't even count, but we almost made it to 50. I'm thankful for um, Pastor Jared for leading us through this amazing, amazing, action-packed book. And I'm honored um, to get to close the book today. So if you turn with me to Acts chapter 28, we'll be picking up in verse 17. Acts chapter 28, verse 17. And today in our study, we will see that while the book of Acts ends, the story is not over. It's just the beginning. And the gospel continues to advance as the risen king is proclaimed. Let's read God's word. Acts chapter 28, verse 17. Through 31, 17, it reads this. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, Paul. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appear, appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak to you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing chains." And they said to him, we have received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. From with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it has been spoken against. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, Paul expounded To them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others uh, disbelieved. And agreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For, these, for this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and with their eyes, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen." He stayed there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It is here that Luke concludes his detailed account of the early church. And one thing I love when I'm studying any book of the Bible, especially when you get to the end, is to try to capture the main themes and the main messages in the book. 
It's helpful for me, for, for me to at least to try to condense the book into a sentence or even one word. And I would encourage you to do this. How would you summarize the book of Acts? What themes come to mind as we've gone through this book together? Maybe it's the early church or God's sovereignty or miracles, evangelism, hospitality, suffering, Paul's missionary journeys. What themes come to mind as we've gone through this book. This past week, I kind of like to geek out a little bit and, and go over um, and, and Google things. And I asked, I, I searched what book of the Bible and how can you condense that into pretty much one word. And it's up on the screen here. I thought it was pretty cool to share. The Gospels and then Acts. For Matthew, it's God to the Jews. For Mark, it's God to, of the Romans. From Luke, it's God of the outcasts. And John, it's God of the world. And in Acts, it's God of power. I love that. Here at Bethany, we've been, we've been calling this series Acts Forward in the Name of the Risen King. May that ring true for us when we think back to this study of this book. May we think about the power of God. May we think about forward in the name of the risen king. As we close the book, we'll see two main things. Two main things. First, the kingdom of God continues to advance as the gospel is proclaimed. We see that all throughout the book. The kingdom of God continues to advance as the gospel is proclaimed. And second, we'll take a look that we are a part of this story. We are a part of this story. Before we conclude our study, let's be reminded of where it all started. Acts picks up the story of Jesus and his followers where the four gospels leave off. When we begin Acts, the the curtain opens and Jesus gives his final instructions to his disciples and then ascends into heaven. Let's read it again, where it started. If we're going to know where it ends, let's be reminded of where it started. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to his apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father." which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they, as they were looking up, he was lifted up and a cloud took him away out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood before them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? The Jesus who was taken up from heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven." So where are we now in the story? We're in the proclaimed period. The same period that Paul was in, we're in today, the church era. As Von Roberts describes, he describes it in three parts, this proclaimed kingdom. You'll see it on the screen. The first is the sending of the Spirit. The second is the gospel preached to all nations. The third, the return of Jesus. The Spirit has been sent. The Spirit wants to, through faith in Jesus Christ, wants to be in the believer's life to empower them to 
live and to preach the gospel. So the spirit is there. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see that in Acts chapter 10. And now we're in this proclaimed kingdom, this proclaimed period to preach the gospel to all the nations until Jesus returns. It's a three simple part that we see and we've been waiting for a while. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet. Roberts describes the pattern kingdom in his book. He talks about how it was perfect in creation when, when God created the perish kingdom, how sin entered the picture and we disobeyed. The promised kingdom, Abraham was supposed to be a blessing, was called to be a blessing to Israel and to all the nations. The partial kingdom with the law and the kings, the prophesied kingdom of prophets, the mouthpiece of God proclaiming his word and the future hope that would come. And then the present kingdom with Jesus with us. He's the fulfillment of everything. He brings in this new covenant and now we're in the proclaimed kingdom. The church, the gospel, the Holy Spirit goes out to all the nations and one day we'll be in the perfected kingdom, multinational family of God, the renewal of all things. Amen? And we see that the Spirit's been given in Acts 2 to the Jews and Acts 10 to the Gentiles and it's sent to us today. Jesus said that I'll send and I'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. So Jesus was our counselor here on earth with his disciples. He said, I'll give you another counselor. The one who will come will be just like the first. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us teach others about Jesus and the gospel of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In the end of the gospel of Luke and in the beginning of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples to tell the whole world about what he has done, and then he leaves. These once 12 disciples, now only 11 men, are tasked to reach the whole world. But the power of God comes in Acts chapter 2. And God, the Holy Spirit, comes on followers of Jesus at Pentecost and gives them, these men and women, the ability and courage and boldness to share the life-changing message of Jesus. The gospel goes out. And for Paul, he was sent to preach the gospel to the unreached, ultimately heading to Rome. That was his destination. And then hopefully Spain. And so this is where we've been in the book. In Jerusalem, it's been two years, Acts chapter 1 through 7. In Judea and Samaria, it's been 12 years, Acts chapter 8 through 12. In the ends of the earth, 15 years, Acts 13 through 28. And when Paul finally arrives to Rome, what awaits him? This is where we ended the story last week and where we pick up the story today. And so let's pray. Let's jump into this wonderful chapter and see what it has for us today in 2013, December, before this Christmas season. We look forward to all that God's going to be doing. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this book. There's so much in this book and in this chapter. Lord, may you just um, speak to us as we read your word, as we study it. May you bring to light things um, that we need to hear, things, areas that we need to change, um, ways of just praising you that we, we are able to now do because we understand more of who you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much, Father, for sending your son, sending your spirit, giving us the gospel. Thank you for... Um, allowing your church to be family and to be on mission. Lord, we love you, and uh, we give this uh, time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Jared shared with us that against all odds, God made a way for Paul to finally get to Rome. After a storm uh, at sea, after shipwreck, it was like his fourth one, 
And after getting bit by a snake, Paul finally arrives at Rome. And I, I don't know which one's worse. Was it the loss of the storm at sea? Was it the shipwreck? Was it getting bit by the snake? I absolutely hate snakes. So I would say the last one was the worst for Paul. Things were never easy for this guy. And to make things worse, when he finally arrives at Rome, he's still on the outer parts of Rome. Paul still had a lot of walking to do. I mean, this guy, we tend to think, at least when I was studying, that Paul's like this young guy. He's old compared to the people around him. This guy must have had massive calves. He walked so much. Every day was leg day for Paul. One commentator said he had another 170 miles to walk in chains. And so before he continues to walk to the heart of Rome, some Jews and Gentile believers come to him because they heard about his arrival. And Paul talked to this group years earlier, and he desired to come and to see them. Paul knew these believers in Romans chapter 15. He said, I long for many years to come to you. He prays, and then 15 verse 32, it says, that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Paul's prayers finally get answered. He finally gets that refreshing with his brothers. Paul stayed with these brothers for seven days. He was encouraged and he thanked God. And then he came to Rome. And we ended last week in verse 16. And when we, Luke and Paul, came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So this is what awaited him in Rome. Paul was in prison And while his circumstances were different than he anticipated, his prayers were answered. Paul, we see in the text, was allowed to live by himself, but also guarded by a soldier. And so this is a kind of like light custody, light form of military custody, but let's not forget that he's still confined in chains. But why this light custody? Well, Paul wasn't a dangerous criminal. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't a flight risk. He had a weak case. And after all, he wanted to be in Rome. And so what, what does Paul do alone, chained to a guard, in house arrest? Let's see. Literally, I have a bunch of C's here. Consistency, character, compassion, commitment, conviction, confidence. Let's see what Paul does in this text. Chapter 28 is the kingdom of God continues to advance as the gospel is proclaimed. First, Paul calls together the local leaders of the Jews in Rome. Verse 17 After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. So Paul witnesses to the Jews in Rome by sharing his case. Unable to travel to the Jewish leaders, he invites them to come and to talk to him. Whenever Paul enters a new city, as we know, as we've read, he he goes to the Jewish synagogue. He goes to the Jewish leaders, and here we see that he has a dialogue with them. And this speaks to Paul's consistency Paul is consistent. This is always the pattern that he lives by, especially when entering a large city. He goes to this Jewish community first. So what does Paul and the local leaders of the Jews talk about? Luke summarizes it in verse 17. He called uh, three days. He called together local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, I, though I had done nothing against my people or the customs of our father, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty. But because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case, but because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. We see here that Paul had done nothing against the Jewish people or customs. Second, Paul had, the Romans had nothing against Paul 
And then we read, though I had no charge against his own nation. We, we see Paul's character next. This speaks of Paul's character and his integrity. He was the real deal. And it was interesting as I was reading over this, I was thinking, what do you mean, Paul? You have, you have nothing against your people, no charge, no, no, no things that upsetted you. Paul held nothing against the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. And I was thinking, what? why is that? I mean, they're, they're one of the reasons why you're still in prison. And this speaks to the next C, Paul's compassion. Paul's compassion. Paul is full of forgiveness that he received from his Savior. Full of compassion. Have you ever had a family member who wronged you? You're going to love them anyways, hopefully. After all, this is your people. They are a part of you. And Paul is loving others well, especially his brothers. Paul does not chose does not choose to point to the failures of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, but rather to point them to the true hope. But what is the problem that Paul keeps running into? The problem Paul has, and we see it in verse 20, for this reason, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing chains. The only offense that they have is Paul's conviction to Jesus, who he claims to be the hope of Israel. The next C is conviction. Consistency, character, compassion, conviction. In the text, we see that the main reason, the core dispute with the Jerusalem authorities is this. In verse 12, it lets us know, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing chains. Not only is this a conviction, but he's, but he's confident of it. There's confidence, is the next seat. Paul's conviction and his confidence in Jesus. Why is Paul in prison? Because Paul proclaimed Jesus as a true hope. Paul believed that Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of Israel's messianic hope. This is closely attached to Jesus' um, death and resurrection. The king has arrived. True hope is here. His name is Jesus, and Paul is excited to share with whoever about it. Paul, Luke, Peter, and other men and women, they can't be silent. Paul is not just asking the Jewish leaders to learn a little bit about Jesus' teaching. He is proclaiming that Jesus is the true hope of God's chosen people, that he is not just a part of your life, that he is the life. His commitment time and time again is pretty remarkable. Next, we see the local leaders respond to Paul. Here we go. Let's continue in the story. Verse 21, and they said to him, we've received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here have reports or spoken any evil against you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. With regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So if it took a long time for Paul to get to Rome, it's going to take a long time for a letter. And so they say, we haven't heard anything about you. There's no letter. There's no report. There's no evil spoken against you. But guess what? This, this Jesus that you follow, this, this Jesus people group that you follow, um, this is what we've heard has been spoken against. And so they say, we desire to hear from you what your views are. You think Paul's pretty excited about that? Like, we want to hear. We have, we have ears to hear. Tell us. Paul's excited to explain Jesus, to give them Jesus. But will they believe? The local leaders respond to Paul. And then next, third, Paul preaches the gospel to the Jewish leaders. Some are persuaded while others do not believe. Verse 23. And when they had pointed a day for them, for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. So there's more. And from morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God and trying to convince them all about Jesus from both the law of, the, law of Moses and from the prophets. So Paul spends 
all-day teaching. He uses the Old Testament to point um, these Jewish leaders, hopefully, to Christ. Paul testifies about the kingdom of God and Jesus. But will they believe his claims? Verse 24, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. This is the outcome of preaching the gospel, of teaching the gospel. Some will believe and others will not. Over the last 10 years, I've had the privilege of, of sharing the gospel with hundreds of high school students. I've been involved in camps and programs and where thousands of high school students show up together. And some believe and hear the gospel and some don't. Barna Research Group says that only 6% of adult Christians made the decision to follow God over the age of 18. And only 4% of American adults have a biblical worldview. Our world desperately needs the news that we have. That's why the church focuses so, many, so much time and resources on kids' ministry and youth ministry. And it's not just kids and youth, but it's also family ministry. We've got to incorporate the whole family together. Some will believe and some will not, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. It is not our job to make people believe. It is our job to teach Jesus and to follow him. For those who reject the gospel, Paul speaks one final word from the prophet Isaiah. Fourth, Paul quotes Isaiah the prophet to the Jewish leaders. Verse 25. And disagreeing among themselves, he departed after Paul made one statement. He uses scripture. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, verse 26, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but not understand. You will indeed see, but not perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull and their eyes, they can barely hear. And their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. We see in this verse, hear, never understand, see, not perceive, hard hearts, deaf ears, closed eyes. If this is your story today, if this is your heart today, God wants you to turn to him because he will heal you. He will save you. You might be thinking, you don't know what I've done. Your sin can't outdo God's love for you. And those of us that, that have been saved and healed by Christ, remember who you are, that you are forgiven, that you are healed, that he took everything and paid for it at the cross. Your past, your present, and your future. Sins are all paid for. Paul was living out the great commission, teaching everybody about Jesus. He didn't give up on anybody because the Spirit of God doesn't give up on anybody. And after he teaches the Jewish leaders, where does he go? To the Gentiles, verse 28, therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. This is a story we read in the last chapter. We see Paul's consistency, his character, his compassion, his conviction, his confidence, his commitment, fulfilling the great commission and making Christ known. And then Paul leaves us with two verses. He, pro he quotes Isaiah to the Jewish leaders. And then the book of Acts ends, lastly, with Paul in prison. He's in prison for two years, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're reading, we're studying, we're talking about the book of Acts, we're hearing all these stories, and then the story just ends. We're left with so many questions. It's like, thanks a lot, Luke. Verse 30, finally, we made it through the text. Verse 30, here we go. And he lived there two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We're told a few things. 
Paul's under house arrest for two years, which means he was, he was still free to do things, but he still remained a prisoner, and he was unable to leave his house, but he still had these freedoms. The freedoms were here, freedom to welcome people, freedom to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to teach Jesus Christ. It ends with Paul proclaiming the good news to the Jews, verse 17 to 27, and then to the Gentiles, verse 28, and then now, verse 30 to 31, to all. But why does he stop here? What happens next? Raise your hand if you're asking that question. What happens next? Raise your hand if you have something that you want to ask Luke about what happened and it hasn't been answered. What happens next? What happens during those two years? What happens after those two years? Did Paul ever meet Caesar face-to-face? That would be a cool story. Come on, Luke. Details. One commentary said, maybe Luke is telling us that no one ever appealed to bring a charge against Paul before Caesar. Another one adds that the leaders of of Jerusalem didn't think it was wise or practical to pursue Paul any further, and finally he was released by default of his accusers. But what happens, Luke doesn't tell us. What do we know? We know that Paul continued to do what Paul always did after he came face-to-face with Jesus Christ. He was a witness proclaiming the good news about his risen king. And he did this boldly and without hindrance. The book ends and it seems incomplete, but that is exactly the point. This is exactly where the Holy Spirit wants to take us at the end. Paul as a prisoner under house arrest. And while under house arrest, the Holy Spirit uses Paul to write some of the most precious scripture we have today. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Paul's letter to Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians were all written from prison. Timothy, first and second, and Titus shortly after. Think about this. And I've had to think about this a lot as I've been preparing this message. Who was Paul? Paul is one of the leading figures in the advancement of the Christian gospel. Where was Paul? Paul was in prison in Rome. And what did he do? He was able to minister without hindrance. And how did it happen? God made a way. You see, the gospel had arrived in the heart of the Roman Empire, centralized area for civilization. It was the most powerful empire in the whole entire world. And it didn't just arrive, but it took deep roots. Imagine with me, Paul, Chain, welcoming all who visited him. I mean, God gave him like a writing deal. He was able to write letters, proclaim the kingdom of God, teach freely for two years. So some 700 plus days, that's a long time, especially if you don't have to travel anywhere. Paul was able to really dive into ministry. Even in prison, the message continues to go out. Years earlier, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, died outside Jerusalem, was crucified by Roman guards. And now we read in the book that the message of the risen king made its way all the way to Rome. This is amazing. Nothing can stop this message And what's amazing about it is the distance the gospel has traveled and also the lines the gospel has crossed. It was astonishing. The distance the gospel has traveled and the lines the gospel has crossed could only be done by the power of God. Eventually from church history, we read, we see that Paul was uh, released from house arrest. He went on doing what he always did, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about Jesus, And ultimately, he was arrested again and died as a martyr. We see in 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I fought the good fight. 
I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And he passes this baton on to Timothy, a, a young follower of his. And all these men and women that were advancing the gospel pass it on to others and it's been passed on to us as well. We see in chapter 28, the kingdom of God continues to advance as the gospel is proclaimed. And now we see the next part is that we are a part of the story, God's unfolding plan of salvation to all who believe. I was meeting with the elders earlier this morning praying, and I was talking through and I was just saying, hey, maybe I should get a pen, have everybody open up their Bibles at the end when it says, Paul shared this with boldness without hindrance. Just write dot, 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 because the story continues. Don't write in your Bibles like that. Don't add anything to God's word. But in your minds, continue to think about this when it ends. Dot, dot, dot. The story continues. The story's not over. We are still finishing the story. And that is Acts chapter 29. And not only are we finishing the story, be reminded that this is your story. This is our story. This is our Father who sent Jesus That's our Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit, our Jesus. And we see our brothers and sisters in Christ as we read in this book. This is not only for them, but it's also our mission as well. And Jared, last week, he did a really good job kind of focusing in. He said kind of at the end of Acts 28, as we close the book, it's kind of like a movie. Calm music begins. The camera pulls back further and further. And then maybe on the screen, it just says, the Acts of the Apostle and then followed by the acts of the church. This is one story, but we also have, it's like a collage of everybody's story throughout history. We get to see what God has been doing, what God is doing, what God will continue to do. And so we're left with a charge. We're left with just, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we knew from the beginning if we grew up in church, or this is what we learned as we've studied through this book, or today you learned about it. This is what we're supposed to do. Just like Paul, we read it here. Luke describes it. Luke lived this out. Welcome all. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God continues to advance. The gospel is proclaimed both here in the text and now and until Jesus returns. In all circumstances, we are called to be spirit-filled disciples and spirit-empowered proclaimers of Jesus. That's the mission. As we end, I'd like to share one story. I heard a story of a church planner who met together to discuss missions. And they were asked this question, what's been your biggest um, missionary failure? And some of the pastors and leaders shared personal embarrassing stories. Others remembered mistakes of the past. And yet there was one response that was different from the rest. Ben Connolly explains this interaction. He says, it was totally unexpected and it stuck with him and it stuck with me as I read it. He said, one of the church planner pastors became stone-faced sober and said, my biggest failure was berating God's people to mission as opposed to letting the gospel win their hearts by the spirit for mission. He said his, his biggest failure was berating God's people to mission as opposed to letting the gospel win their hearts by the Spirit for mission. The pastor shared his biggest missional failure, and he continued to say, hammering the church with the obligation of the gospel without winning their hearts for the glorious things God has done for them. 
They could only sustain living missionally for either short bursts or for a long time, but they would end up getting weary because Christ wasn't continually refreshing their hearts. That was my biggest failure. You see, you can't win hearts and minds for Christ if you are not continually letting the gospel win your heart and mind by the Spirit for the mission of God. Reminds me of a song that my kids and I sing. We just say, I don't want to go, Lord, if you're not going before me. We don't want to go if God's not going before me. We need him with us, in us, through us, working this out. May the Lord refresh our hearts today and in this season with the good news of his son, Jesus. And as we go living and welcoming others, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, may we let the gospel bring life and hope and truth to our lives in all areas, in our work, in our rest, in our play, in our homes, in our communities. As followers of Jesus, we are sent to be witnesses, but we can't go without the reliance and the dependence and the filling of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that gives us power to live this out and to be more like Jesus. This is the book of Acts, and it continues with your story. Let's share that with one another. Let's share other people, let's share our stories. Let's share, um, let's hear other people's stories, and let's, let's ultimately share the story of God and how he's working in our lives. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this book, we thank you, Lord, just for the, the dedication and time, preparing sermons, in life groups, community groups, talking about this, Lord, with our family and friends, Lord, sharing this with others. We're so thankful, Lord, that you allowed Luke, with the power of your Holy Spirit, to write down exactly what we need to know, not just back then, Lord, but today. Thank you so much, Lord, that we can be your witnesses, Lord. When we fail to do so, Lord, your grace is there. Lord, when we succeed and we're, we're allowed to do that by your strength, Lord, we're, we're thankful for those opportunities. May we not, Lord, move on without you. May we rely on, on you and your, depend on you, be filled by you. We thank you so much, Lord, for the brothers and sisters in Christ that we see in this text in this book and throughout the New Testament, Lord, who sacrificed and who gave, Lord, so that we could, um, Lord, know the truth. So thankful for the men and women, Lord, here at Bethany, Lord, who are, it's just been so faithful and so good and, 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 and loving your son Jesus and letting other people know about that in all areas of their life. Lord, give us strength today. And Lord, I'm just reminded of John Piper's uh, quote, Lord. God, you are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And uh, we, Lord, we just continue to worship now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Bethany Bible Fellowship. For more resources, visit our website at bbfoc.org.